Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Reggae Lover Podcast. This is Khalil Wanda here. And this is Agard. What up, people? Thank you for listening to Reggae Lover. A dedication to reggae lovers everywhere in the whole world big up to nice up radio the big bad station is it me big up to everybody listening on all platforms across the world got a dope show coming your way an interview featuring special guest dj cash dj cash atl the fly haitian kid <laughs> yeah man a lot of energy on this one yeah man i really enjoyed the conversation it's a very cool vibe. Cash is somebody that I worked with on the scene here in ATL a couple of times and uh, never had the opportunity to actually have a conversation with the, with the dude. And so, you know, I mean, this was really cool. Very knowledgeable brother. Glad to have him on with us to share some of those nuggets. Yeah. So we had a slight, I guess, audio technical issue in the beginning of the interview. So if you guys don't know about DJ Cash, you could definitely look him up. You know, he has a website, you know, his social media. You know, we covered the fact that he's from New York City, born and raised in Brooklyn, then moved to Long Island, then uh, moved down to Atlanta. So that part of the conversation got cut with his history. But uh, if you want to just check out his website. We got Buzzworthy. This episode also features a SoundClash update. We're going to talk about some overall things in the industry. So that's going to be very interesting as we take you into our conversation with DJ Cash. It seems like you went down to Atlanta and boom, like you're on the radio. So maybe like I didn't really start hitting the clubs till like two years after I moved here. Yeah. And then once I hit the club, four years after that, I got on radio. Wow. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So it was a grind. Like I was in every club. I was, it's funny because on the hip hop scene, I was the reggae guy to come and do all the dance hall, the dance hall set. Mm-hmm. And on the dance hall scene, I was the hip hop guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah definitely. hip hop set. You know what I mean? Yeah, man. Yeah. um, Yeah. I don't know how much you know about us, but yeah, Khalil and I and and his brother actually have have a sound system called Highlander as well. And it was similar to that. Like, you know, we were getting uh, booked in Buckhead and we were were the ones doing like the reggae room and like, you know, when there was Cream and Plush and all these different places, Club Essos. Wait, so y'all are part of Highlander from Atlanta? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a big sound, yeah, bro. That's a that's a that's a landmark sound, yeah, man. bro. So yeah, it's me, uh, Khalil, and uh, his brother Peck. You know what I'm saying? Who, you know, Peck still plays out. I think he's on um, another sound system right now. But yeah, man. So wait, Khalil is Peck's brother. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. That's crazy. I gotta start doing homework more. Nah, so I didn't know it's, that. Bro. It's all good. I, I, you know what it is? It's like. Um, it's like, you know how you have like different lives, you know, it's like different part chapters of your life. And like you meet somebody in chapter three who might not know about chapter one. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But see, I knew Khalil played Highlander, but I didn't know yeah. that y'all were brothers. Well, I'm his cousin and, and Peck's his brother. 
Cause look, I didn't know y'all were brothers though, bro. Yeah, yeah, man, brothers in the flesh. That's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah, cause my years in uh, playing it coming up through the Peacock, I used to see. Well, Highliner was there way. Be- y'all was there way before me, but um, when I got there. I, when the tail end of the peacock is the peacock, you know, as you know, ain't the same as the peacock then, but nevertheless, it's still popping. But yeah, I used to see Peck and, and, and Khalil play out all the time. Yeah, man, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, that's very dope. That's a that's a that's a land that's a a landmark sound for Atlanta. That's, that's a big that's a big sound in Atlanta. Yeah, man, give thanks, yo. So from what you were just saying about you know, um, I guess the tail end peacock. You know that era when you came in. You know what I'm saying. I think it was Urban Entertainment, Bo and his team were. You know they were the guys that uh, you know kind of like the young young guys that came on in the promo scene, bringing a different energy. I think those were the first like them and like maybe like Twin Towers were like the first promoters that I I was. Wow, bro! Twin Towers, (laughs) you just brought it back. (laughs) Yeah, remember that? Damn, bro. That's crazy. Yeah, that that was when, you know what I'm saying, I first started seeing Cash like out there and I was like, okay. But then um over the years, you didn't stay in those circles, you know what I mean? You definitely got out to like all the different parts of the city, different crews, different promoters, different settings. So, you know, the the, the upscale clubs, the the 21 and over swag, and then you know, ultimately the hip hop and R and B thing is where you, you landed still being the guy representing for for the caribbean though right right yeah it it was for me i never wanted to like stick to one crew i always thought that was like a bad idea for a dj you know what i mean because it was kind of like the people don't stick to just one promoter one club one this you know people go everywhere so for me i figured like why not like I mean, of course, I'm still cool and still try to accommodate those crews that helped put me on and booked me a lot in the beginning. But for me, it was just kind of like I wanted to be everywhere because I still had that New York mentality. Like, okay, because when I came here, it was like the Caribbean crowd is here and the mainstream crowd is here. And I I just didn't I just didn't understand that concept and I didn't want to accept that concept. You know what I mean? So I was kind of like if I go DJ Velvet Room, which was like popping at the time. I'm gonna play some reggae, you know what I mean? Cause I know, especially women, they like dancehall. Like, you know, it's just that they don't dance, they, like it's not being as, as appreciated because it's not being played. So I just know, I just have to play it in a way where they get it, you know what I mean? I just, I couldn't go too deep into it. I had to play some of the familiar songs and then bury, bury some heavier songs in the middle. So that ultimately helped me move through the city a lot more and go places where it was kind of like a lot of sounds or reggae or dancehall DJs didn't go. You know what I mean? So for me, it worked out perfect that way. Dealing with like the full, like urban entertainment, tw- Twin Towers, and then going to deal with like um, Luther and, and, and AG and all these other clubs. That really, that, it, just, it just propelled me. And that's what made radio look at me. Because I didn't go to radio, radio came to me. Because it, it got to the point where I was, bro, with no exaggeration, I was DJing 12 to 14 parties a week. Mm. It was crazy like that. Right. I, it was like crazy to be young, boy. I tell you, <laughs> now I could never. You know what I mean? But I was doing like 12 to 14 parties a week. And then the PD came to me and was like, bro, like you're on every promotion on my station. Like, how come you're not on my station? And I was just like, I don't know. He was like, you need to be um, in my office on Monday. 
And I, I and, and like at the time, the, the like the live broadcast in the club were big. So when they when the DJs that they had on for years started like kind of like losing their steam, other promoters would be like, "Why you don't put guys like Cash on Cash?" And then between that and him hearing me on every promotion, it was kind of like, "I gotta put this kid on my station." And that's what I did. And even when I got on the station, I made sure like I always showed my roots and I always represented him and did stuff that was like a no-no in Atlanta. Like, don't play all that Caribbean music on the air. I was going in, you know what I mean? I didn't care. And people loved it. So how much, like, actual freedom, you know, do you have to do that? Because the reason I ask, you know, I know, um, you know, from my days in the streets, I played with a handful of different dudes who, you know, there were guys that were, always on the radio, you know, like the whole time, you know, I was I like Emperor Cersei, you know, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's some other cats who they were killing the clubs and I think they probably got approached as well. Like, yo, you need to be on the station. You know what I'm saying? And then um, I'll bump into some of them, you know, a few years down the line and you know, I'm thinking, yo, life is great. Like, yo, you made it. You know what I'm saying? How's everything going? <laughs> right. And they're all like, well, you know, it ain't, it ain't all that's cracked up to be, you know, and they, they weren't necessarily as happy as when they had more freedom to kind of, um, you know, play whatever they want to play kind of thing. So, you know, give us a little glimpse into how that looks for you and, and how you kind of handle it. Well, for me, I don't know. You know, I'm Haitian. And, you know, Haitians have a rebellious spirit. Like, I just <laughs> I just had that attitude, man. Like, yo, bro, like, I'm just going to you. You put me in this position right. to do because you like what I do. So just let me do what I do, you know, and. In the beginning, it was a real struggle. It was kind of just like, yo, this is who I am. So you just gonna have to fire me. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. Like radio is just, it's just like this fine line, bro. It's this, and some know how to do it. And I guess I'm one of them and and not to like brag or nothing, but it's just, it's a fine line. And it, it is really hard to be able to keep your identity and thrive in that environment. You know what I'm saying? And to be honest, I don't know. I don't know what exactly exactly what it was that made me be able to do it i was just always very vocal about who i am what i represent and i was just kind of like yo you can't stop that i would seek to this i would literally say that to the pd like yo you know i'm gonna play caribbean music i'm caribbean you know how crazy you sound telling a caribbean person not to play caribbean music so i used to have those conversations a lot of see i think a lot of djs too used to be scared to have those conversations because they're scared to lose the position that they're in but me, I always felt like you guys came to me. I didn't come to y'all. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I didn't look at that radio check as like, I didn't depend on it because I was doing so many parties and I was traveling, playing mad places overseas, getting decent money. So I, I wasn't super caught up with the whole radio politics. I was just like, look, this is how I, this is my style of DJing. If you don't like it, take me off. Right. That's basically it. In in a nicer yeah. way. I don't want to wow. make it sound like I was in there like, no, I'm there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Said I'm Haitian, yo. Like, Tucson over to it, like, yo. Yeah, exactly. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but it's a real struggle, like even to this day. And I feel like that's kind of the reason why people flock more towards the digital um platforms because you know what I mean? They, like that's where their favorite DJ can be themselves, that's where their favorite um radio personality can be themselves. And that's why people flock to stuff like that, you know what I mean? It was, I don't know, to be honest with you, I'm going to be real with you. I can't, I can't say it was this specific thing that made, I was just always kind of like rebellious. And even when they would say, yo, don't play no more reggae, I would just play reggae. <laughs> I didn't really care. You know what I mean? I was just like, oh, well, like five. Yeah. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, it sounds like that's what's what was needed. You know what I'm saying? Like that's that's the energy. You know, you're right. There's a lot of people that don't want to compromise that, and they they sound totally different playing out uh, than when they're on the radio. You know, so yo, respect you. you for and that. And I, I like to say, like, I'm not gonna say I'm the only one ever in in Atlanta's radio history to play reggae. You know what I mean? That, that that's completely not true. But I like to think, like, yeah. I, I I think I'm the the main one to make it stick and to make it a thing. You know what I'm saying? Before I was on the radio, dancehall was a no-no, and you would hear Tinga Linga Ling and Murder She Wrote. That was the only dancehall you was hearing. You know what I mean? Until I just really started rinsing some, I was rinsing dub plates, everything like going in. And now it's starting to become more and more normal on Atlanta radio. Like, you know, we got, we got international, international and Caribbean shows now on, on the big stations, you know what I mean? Right. So that stuff I was doing when they was telling me not to, and then when I was doing it and they seen it worked, they were like, okay, you know, let them do it, you know? And then when I left that, that the other big station I was on, they, they kind of just picked up, picked off where I left. And it's funny because I left that station because they didn't want to give me a Caribbean show. And then and they then, got a show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then when I went to the other station and they, they gave me a show and they seen the ratings and they seen how it was working, they were like, uh, okay, maybe he was right. This does work. And then they started the show, which is crazy. Yeah. But I, I, but I, I love it though because it pushes the culture forward. So I love it. Yeah, yeah it's definitely, definitely different now, you know, than like many over many years, like in Atlanta. For people listening all over the world, right? You know, they think Atlanta and they think it's black. So there may be there may be like an assumption that yo dancehall and reggae comes goes right along with it. But um, you know, it's definitely been a fight. It's been a struggle. I, I, when I first moved here, there was um, Little John had a reggae radio show on V103. Um, I don't know. What? Yeah, he had like a. It was like maybe, God, it was at least three hours long, and um, wow. Then they slowly, like, gradually, it became two hours, and then the time <laughs> slot moved from like prime time ish to like. It ended up being like three, four o'clock in the morning, I swear. Like, and they cut down the wow. time and everything. So it was like just staying up trying to listen to the show because the show was wicked. <laughs> I'm telling you. Where, you know, right. They used to be juggling like one drop rhythms, you know what I'm saying? Swing easy and like all that stuff. Like, yo, you know what I'm saying? Movie star and like all that stuff. You know, this is the 90s. Um, they were playing like real rhythms, but. Slowly, they just phased it out like that. And then after that, it was just like lights out on reggae for like years. So, <laughs> right. I, I think I think now more than ever, you're hearing it on the land radio. Yeah. Like, it's crazy because um, now, you know, even though Afrobeat isn't dancehall or um, reggae, you know, a lot of people who aren't Caribbean, they associate Afrobeats along with soca and dancehall, they associate it. So, um, I kind of feel like that's a good that's a good thing because it kind of reopened the door. Right. You know what I mean? Because as these Afrobeat yeah. songs became popular and they had these, you know, these uh, uh, reggae riffs and, and skanks and 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 that, that, that those soca kicks and everything like that, it just opened the door again for for us. You know what I mean? To just be able to do what we do because it's easy to mix, you know, a one or two dance or soca tune with it. So before, and I remember, like you said, when I first came in, no 
dance hall or reggae at all was being played on. In fact, it was like a no-no. It was like, don't play that. It was like, they would like legit tell you like, don't play that. Until, like I said, I would just be like, okay, all right. And just, <laughs> and just play it, you know what I mean? I was just like, yo, I don't, I don't, I don't really care. Cause I would look crazy being Caribbean and coming up on the Peacock and not even rinse a, 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 a famous beanie or, or, or bounty or something, you know what I mean? Right. I've been out of, out of Atlanta for a while, man, but I came back down there. I can't remember. It was a party and I saw you. Reef was down there. That's probably a uh, bear vibe, Reef. though. One of the beer vibes. <laughs> yeah. That's probably beer vibes, yeah. I think yeah, man. Beer. So I was like, yo, who's this cash cat, man? He yeah. came out of nowhere, yo. Like, <laughs> so I didn't know I didn't know all the history. You know what I'm saying? You definitely paid your dues, man. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people don't even know, like, Khalil, it's funny. You mentioned um urban entertainment, but I like the first person to book me out here was Juggler. Juggler. Juggler okay. experience. If you're from Atlanta, you know Juggler. You know what I mean? So yeah. Juggler, yeah, of man. course, had Gal Farm, which was a big night at, at Peacock. He was the first one to book me. And in that booking, Fodidi and them from Urban Entertainment see me playing. And they were like, yo, this dude is shelling it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But okay. the, how I even got booked by Juggler, like I used to harass Juggler. Like, yo, I'm new out here. I'm from <laughs> New York. And Juggler's like, all right, give me a CD. Let me hear how you play. Give him a CD. Nothing. Give him a next CD. Nothing. Give him a next CD. Nothing. Then I just started coming to the Peacock Gal Farm every Thursday. And this is when I tried the corporate thing. I had a, I used to work for um, Auto Trader at the time. I had to be at work at eight o'clock, bro. That's Atlanta traffic. My commu- I was living in um, Covington, bro, Whoa. and I had to go all the way to um, what's that? Uh, 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 Industrial. Um, yeah. Peachtree Dunwoody, Peachtree Dunwoody. Uh, I go all the way over there. So traffic zone, bro. That was like an hour and forty-five minute commute, right? And I had to be there at eight o'clock. So you do the math. I had to leave the crib at a good six o'clock. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I was at Galfram every Thursday to the end till lights came on, just to build that relationship. Then Juggler, before he even booked me. I used to just come around. I used to see him giving out the flyers at the end of the party. So I used to wait to the end on purpose to just help him without him asking me, just help him giving out the flyers. And then what happened was when he would throw like his other little parties, I would, bro, I would wake up at like three o'clock in the morning. And this is when we had stuff like Sundays on the drive. And it was like yeah. other nights that were popping. Bro, I would wake up at like three o'clock in the morning, get dressed, go help juggler, um, give out flyers and then like go to work, bro. Mm. So like you know what I mean. So uh, it, it it seems like I came out of nowhere, but really I put in a lot of work. And that's this was like for a good a little while, bro. You know what I mean. And I was giving yeah. out flies three four in the morning. I would go different places when Legacy was open. I used to go give out Legacy, and I used to give out flies. And in hindsight, it really helped me though because that's how I got. To, I didn't. I was new out here. I didn't know anybody. That's how I got to know people. And I would flirt with girls, and girls would flirt back. And then they would know me as, oh, yeah, you're going to be at this party? Like, what? they would flirt, like, what party are you going to be at? I'm going to be here. And I was getting flies. And then when I, when Juggler said, okay, you could come early one for me at Galvon, I would get out of, when he finally, like, I was, my face wasn't even on the flyer. My name was. And I would give out the flyers and be like, yeah, that's me. I'm going to be, I'm going to be playing and that and that. And girls are like, what? You going to be playing? After months and months of giving out flies, they were like, oh, you on a party? So that first night, I had a, like a good 50, 60 people there to come see me that came early just to see me because right. of that giving out flies for Juggler. So on the scene, it really did look like I just came out of nowhere. But really, I just really grinded just like kind of quietly. You know what I mean? Yeah. So 
Yeah, it was we, one we of those know, things. We know exactly how yeah, that. Goes. <laughs> I mean, yo, that's exactly. that's the that's the that's the New York to ATL story right there because we definitely been through that too. That was man. the formula, and you know, um, you know, we did that. And then we saw, I watched Mixmaster David do the same thing. Like, yeah. he was like the hardest working brother. Like, yo, I've never seen anybody work as hard as David. So let's take a break to talk about one of our great sponsors. i tell you what, I was listening to an audio book about Bob Marley on Audible entitled So Much Things to Say. Mm-hmm. It's an oral history written and performed by Roger Steffens. He spent time down in Jamaica interviewing everybody, including Marley and everybody that that was around him. So I'm talking Rita Marley, Skill Cole, film crews that were down filming him, you know, all the members of the Whalers. He's having these conversations in these interviews that he also collected while he was doing the radio shows. He put all this information into a book. What's so great about it is it, it just immerses you into the experience, quoting Peter Bunny, the incidents that happened with Bob getting shot, the concert when he brings the two political leaders on stage. And so you really get the excitement, the energy of what is going on. That book right there, I strongly recommend it to any reggae lover, anybody that's into Bob Marley, and we have a special deal. Go to Audible and get a free book, free trial of Audible. Visit audibletrial.com slash reggae lover. And there you can grab a free copy of this book. And the reason why I like Audible is because I like to learn new things but sometimes I don't have time to read a book. I don't have time to sit there and leaf through the pages because I got work to do. So I like to listen to books in the car, if I'm riding a bike, just taking a walk in the neighborhood. There's so many different ways that you can actually learn new information or be entertained. You know, me personally, I like nonfiction. I like biographical stuff. So Audible is a great tool to use in order to take in that information and still go along with your day. Audible, they have the best narrators. You know, you're able to keep where you're at in the book. It's a very convenient way to take in new information and be entertained. Visit audibletrial.com slash reggae lover. So much things to say. The title by Roger Steffens, Oral History of Bob Marley. When he first came to Atlanta, I was like, oh, right. Yeah, man, it's, it's it's really a grind. Like me, I didn't turn down any booking, bro. Yeah, yeah. I didn't turn down any bookings. Like I listened to young cats now and say, oh, I'm not doing that. I'm like, why? Like, you're not popping. You need to do that party, bro. You need to go do that party. I, I never turned down nothing, bro. I remember when I was popping at the height uh, like of my Peacock days, and I was like on fire. This bowling alley called me and it was like, hey, can you DJ here? I was like, oh, bowling alley? And I took it. I took the bread. It was like $300. And I was hyped at the time. I was like, yo, I'll take it. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I went to the party. Yeah, the funny thing was, it was all the way in Gwinnett, where I live now, because I live in Gwinnett now. It was all in Gwinnett, Sat- Satellite Boulevard. It was this huge bowling alley. And then up, it was like a bowling alley. They had a pool. They had a pool hole in it and it had like an upstairs. And then I wound up convincing them to let me do the upstairs instead of just DJing on the bowling alley part. And I was like, let people who, who you know, want the music just come upstairs for the music. And that issue wound up being super lit. It wound up being like popping. So, and then again, like there's girls and there's people, period, that used to come to that party that come to my parties to this day. So I used to take every opportunity I could when I first moved here. And then, and, and for me, that was just another opportunity to in- introduce people to the culture. Cause I was, I was like always hype about that. Soon as I get in there, when I get them 
I'm gonna play some reggae. That's that was like my thing. Like I would play the hip hop, let them get them hype, and then I'm gonna play some reggae. You know what I mean? And get them to dance to that. And that like separated me from the crowd. And, and that's still kind of my thing now. When I get booked overseas, I mean it's easier now because they love dance hall. Like dance hall is like it's king. You know what I mean? Yeah. But definitely. but that's I still hit them with the one too. I do all the famous hip hop records and all that stuff. And then I hit them with the reggae, and then that's when they go crazy. You know what I mean? Right. So it's still like my MO is still like my motto to this day. Yeah. Another thing I would say, you know, from my observation that um, compared to the other hip hop DJs, no disrespect to my hip hop and brothers and sisters out there doing their thing, you know what I'm saying? But another thing that separates you from a lot of the field is your use of the mic. It's almost like for like 80, 85% of hip hop DJs, like never pick the microphone up. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like if the mic wasn't in the booth, they wouldn't know it because they didn't right. look for it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I know, you've, I know you've been in that situation where you come in the booth and somebody's playing and you're like, yo, yo, where's the mic? Yo, where's it? Like, yeah, yo, where's definitely. And you got to go find it and make sure it's plugged in and you tune it up for yourself because you know you're going to use this to, to engage with the crowd. You know what I'm saying? Definitely. Whereas cats just be totally like mute on uh, you know what i'm saying out here so um i know that comes from your, your your brooklyn and your sound system you know what i'm saying like culture and everything like that talk to me a little bit about you know what you've seen in, in terms of the difference that um you know talking on the mic anywhere from a little bit to you know what i'm saying getting hype can yeah. can make so for me like uh, like like you said I, I come from the whole sound system era you know what i mean and on when we started our sound um I was the MC on the sound, you know what I mean? So um, even though I, you know, I was, I could DJ, you know what I mean? I, and, and then I could DJ just as good as anybody else on the sound, but it's just like, like you said, they pointed out like, all right, you kind of nice on the mic. So you're going to have to just keep, you just be on the mic. And then it was just, I was just, the, cause it was three of us and I was the only one that used to MC. So that just helped me sharpen my skills. So when I went over to, I just, like I said, I, that was always just my formula to use the Caribbean and the sound system style, always, no matter if I'm DJing house music, if I'm DJing pop music, if I'm DJing, because the best DJs in the world, if you ask me, are Caribbean DJs. They can go like, they, they can go in their box and they can pick out a Madonna tune, they can play you anything. Your average hip hop guy can't do that. You know what I mean? Your average house DJ can't do that. Your average pop DJ can't do that. We, we are like king of genres. You know what I mean? So I just always made sure, like, no matter if I'm playing hip hop club, I'm playing. I'm gonna approach my my juggling the same way I would in a in a in a dance. You know what I mean? In a, in a in a dance hall. But I'm a, but I play hip hop music. You know what I mean? So that's always been. I always try to stick to that because even that was a, even a, a a struggle too in Atlanta because. Some spots you go to kind of didn't want you right, to they talk. They don't want you. They're like, yo, yeah, you know what you're doing? <laughs> Talking too much. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it was kind of like, I, I, I did the same thing what I did with these PDs and, and, and um, uh, on the radio. It was kind of like, yo, this is my style. And if you don't like that, then don't book me. You know what I mean? And that's kind of where I'm at now. I'm sorry if, like, if I'm jumping ahead, but like the scene now uh-huh. is I pick and choose where I DJ now because it's just like, I can't be me in certain spots. So I'd rather just not DJ there. You know what I mean? Because in the beginning, you just want to get your name out there. You want to get known. So you're going to DJ as much as possible. But then as you become popular or you become, you know, more known, 
you kind of want to be able to keep what got you popping. You know what I mean? I don't want to like have that same formula. I kind of want to switch. So now even if, if, if there's like a host there or whoever, if I'm going to a hip hop club and the old so-and-so hosted, I'd be like either give them the night off or I don't, or just don't book me. No hard feelings. You know what I mean? There's no hard feelings, but I need yeah. to be able to do how I do it because there's no way in hell in our culture, in the, in, the, in the sound system culture, that you could say, oh, so-and-so is here every night, so when your sound plays, he's going to MC for you. There's no way. Right. You know what I'm saying? You would be like, what? Hell no. So mm-hmm. I approach it the same way. I'd be like, nah, it's, it ain't going to work like that. So that host, I don't care who the host is. I don't care. Nah, I'm, I'm good. Unless it's somebody I really gel with and they understand what I'm doing, then, then cool. But you, I can't subscribe to the idea that I have to go with this host because that's who you book every week. Nah, it's, I can't do that. So, so the MC thing yeah, just made good. me stronger. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's good that you say that, man, because, you know, you got you to gotta stay strong with that stuff, man. There's not, not a lot of people out there that when they get in those types of clubs are, are going to be able to stand up and be like, yo, nah. I got, I got this. You know what I'm saying? Because right. yeah. you know what happens, and this happened to me, and this really because there was one night, there was one time, actually a few times, like two or three times that I compromised, and I said, okay, I'm maybe it's coming across as me being Hollywood, and let me work well with others. You know what I'm saying? Let me try it. Those nights are the nights that the only times promoters came to me like, man, you was a little off tonight. Like me? It's no, it's because of Rob. <laughs> like yo, it's not me because the host is. Horrible, bro, and it's just like I'm in the DJ booth, frustrated, and and I could have been a little off because the the MC like kind of controls the rhythm. You're the conductor, you know what I mean. And if you're dry, then it doesn't motivate me to 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 turn up, you know what I mean. So it was kind of like that's when I realized like no more compromising, bro. Either like either you let me do it or just don't book me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's because then because then you start sounding whack. And then people be like, oh, yo, boy, I'm going to tell you, catch that fell off, you know, dog. You know what I'm saying? So, nah. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, nah, dog, nah. I just, I, just do, I just do it myself, you know what I mean? Yeah. Nah, it's something we talk about all the time, like, in terms of the sound system. Even, um, it's the same thing for any club, any, any type of DJ. And right now, a lot of people sound just exactly the same as the next dude. Every night sound the same. Every club, every party, it's a right. lot of, you know, the same playlist going on, and um, and it's, you know, it makes me sick to my stomach. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it makes, but that's why you know it's repulsive, yo. That's why I kind of stopped doing so many clubs too. Yeah, because it's like, all right, you 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 can't help it if you're doing five six uh, parties a week, you're gonna sound, start sounding because you brought your brain's gonna go into autopilot, and you yeah. know certain certain things that work. You know certain, so I learned like you kind of gotta give yourself like some downtime, like you know. And then when you're when you're kind of good popping on the scene or seen or known on the scene, you want to feel like, oh, I gotta be out, I gotta keep doing this. But it, it, you kind of have the opposite effect because people start getting tired of you, they get tired of your same playlist, they get tired. So you kind of gotta fall back, and that's kind of where I'm at now. I'm kind of like, nah, I, I pop out only when I feel like popping out. You know what I mean? And then I'll start keeping some of my own parties more because that's, in some DJ's defense, it's hard not to do when you're playing out a lot. Yeah, you know no, I mean? I've been there. I have been there when I tell you, Cash. And <laughs> when I was there, 
it was like in vinyl days. So even, you know, you got to buy this like copies of the same record over and over because I'm playing right. these things so much <laughs> that now it, it is, sounds like, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's Crazy. I wheel it up so much it's scratching and you know what I mean? Like, right. so just like in a, in a literal sense, you know, it could be, it could be, a, it could be too much. And, um, you yeah. know, that's when, yeah, you got to start picking and choosing, you start curating your own events and that type of thing. So, I totally understand that, man. I, I think those sounds, particularly, let, let's get a little messy for a second. <laughs> let's do it. And not even, All right. and not even messy, but just real and, and just honest, because I'm, I'm trying to be honest. I wanted to go. I wanted, I want things to change. Like, like I, when I first here, came here, no exaggeration, I, I, I was sleeping on Atlanta, um, Atlanta's scene with, with sounds. I was like, ain't no popping sounds in Atlanta. Like, I'm going to go there, like, I'm not going to be, there ain't no reggae scene in Atlanta. Like, I was just super wrong. When I got here, there Sounds are some familiar, really, guard. You said what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, we probably said the same thing when we came to Atlanta, too. Well, at least I did. <laughs> but I was completely wrong. Like, there are some yeah, yeah. strong sounds here. Strong sounds here. Like, Especially nowadays. They got, like, a couple decades in, too. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? And there's sounds that, I, like... You know, I, I don't know if a lot of people are still big on clashes, but I, I'm, I still love a good clash. You know what I mean? But there's sounds here that I will put up against the biggest names, bro. You know what yeah. I mean? The same, biggest same. names. Like, there's sounds here that can hold their own, and there's sounds here that can, like, really mash up a dance. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. like, um, but, like, but to, at the same time, to say, like, to add what you were saying, Khalil, like, the, the scene is kind of just kind of, I don't know how, I don't know. It's just weird, the scene now. You know what I mean? The scene is just a little weird now. I don't, I don't know how to explain it, but it's just kind of like there. Well, I'm not going to, I don't want to go like too off, you know, right now, but it's a couple of things, right? One thing you had said earlier about, um, you're talking about the crowd, you know, um, that they go everywhere. You said that, you know, so for you to get your name out there, you want to play everywhere, you know. But I think that here there's a very, and it may be, I think I've heard people say it's going on other places too, where people crowd follows promoters. Um, right. Instead of following DJs or sounds as much. So, you know what I'm saying? Like that gets into a thing where, yeah, there's events going on. But it's not necessarily all about the music still. Right. right. <laughs> because so I'm gonna be real, right? Like how do you... I get and I do say this in a cocky way. <laughs> I'm the only sound, I'm I'm probably I'm probably the only DJ in Atlanta that gets booked out of town. And 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 that's because and I'm like not with no D I'm not with no artists. Like most D most ATL DJs you see that's getting booked out of town is because they're with they they DJ for the artist. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I'm the only one, and I'm definitely the only one on the Caribbean scene. I, I get when I get booked St. Lucia, um, um, Middle East, and I'm getting I'm getting booked for like dance hall, like Caribbean or international parties. You don't see no Atlanta DJs on no flyers, like at all. Yeah. Like especially on the on the dance hall scene. But why why is that though? Like, I don't see them, like, even if, if I go play in Miami, I'm talking about close cities. Miami, 
even like when I play in North Carolina and stuff, you don't see them. You don't see no Atlanta sounds. Like, why is that? Like at all, you know? Yeah, I remember back when I was there, I thought the same thing too, because it was, it was a low number back then too. You know, I remember, you know, shout out to uh, Cross from Unity. You know, they used to go all over the place. Right. It was actually the opposite for them because they weren't getting booked out a whole lot in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. But like internationally and out of town, they were going all over the place. And there was a couple other sound systems like that. I don't know. For me, I mean, I don't know. It might be complacency. It might just be like, yo, this is it's, it's like a second job or a hobby. I don't know what it is. <laughs> Bro, because I'm at the point. I'm gonna be real with you. I'm at the point where I don't even want to play in Atlanta no more. Like Atlanta promoter calls my phone, I'd be like, I, I, I avoid it. I, I, I don't even want to play anymore. Especially, okay, there's a few things why I feel like that. Even even on the hip hop scene, or are you just specifically talking about like reggae? Too, the hip hop scene too. Hip hop. Don't get me wrong. The hip hop scene is no better, bro. It's no better than than the okay. dancehall scene. Like the same problems out there. DJs playing the same set, and I'm not trying to say like I'm above anybody because I'm guilty of it too. You know what I mean? The same exact people, the same songs, the same everything. You know what I mean? And then when you go out of Atlanta, um, like I just feel like the vibe is just a lot better. It could just be because I'm not from there. But I mean, especially international. Though. International though, people party. Yeah, you know people what I mean? come to party to party. Yeah, not like when I play. I think in the last two years, I got booked in the Middle East seven, eight times, mm. like around there, seven to eight times. Bro, I would I met literal billionaires that be in the party and don't have no section, don't have no like VIP. They're on the dance floor. They're like, I'm, why would I spend money on that? I'm, I'm, I came here to dance and party. Yeah, and that's just not. I just feel like that's just not the vibe in Atlanta no more. Um, and that's why when I play in like dance hall parties specifically, I don't play no new music. I I, I rarely ever play new tunes. I just. I play this make people go, oh, it's shit, da, 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 da. I feel like that you, you have a higher chance of making people dance and party that way. You know what I mean? I don't play no, I, I rarely play music when I play in the dance. You know that? But it always bothers me that, to know like, why isn't, there's so much dope talent in Atlanta, why? Especially on the, on the reggae scene, the dancehall scene, the Caribbean scene in general. Why is like, I don't see them play nowhere else. It's crazy to me. Khalil would know better than me. <laughs> yeah, I've been I've been out of Atlanta for a long time, but um, what you were saying before about the the world stage type sounds or the national stage type sounds, like I've literally made a plea in this podcast. I mean, I got a list of at least four or five sounds that you know could compete on a world level. You know what I mean? On, on, on a, like but, a juggling type of thing or clashing or both. No, no, clash, oh, yeah. clash. I mean, well, juggling, juggling too, too, but... but yeah, dub play it wire, we did not talk about. Yeah. You know. Let me tell yeah, you. I mean, because... I'm going to be real. My, fav my favorite sound, um, I have a few favorite sounds of all time. Of course, it's um, Stone Love. I don't care what nobody's... That might be like an yeah. easy go-to, but I don't care. When I was a kid, I, I ran to the Ave and bought every Stone Love tape. I don't, I don't care. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And yeah, then yeah, I definitely. was just... A big Mighty Crown fan. I just loved mm. Mighty Crown. Okay. And then after yeah. that, after Stone Love and Mighty Crown, you ready for this? My favorite sound is King Apocalypse. <laughs> I knew you were going to say I that. I love, yo, King of their dub box is like insane, bro. Yeah. It and is. they'll pull out dubs that you would never expect from a sound from Atlanta to play. Like, you, because I know people see them and be like, oh, well, like, that's just a, some niggas from Atlanta that's playing. Nah. No. 
they I would put them against some of the biggest sounds, bro. Of course, yeah. Big up Jinx, man. Cause yo, let me tell you, so when I first went to Atlanta, I mean AP was on, you know, they they were one of the few sounds with a radio show. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, we we definitely wanted to you know, be on those levels. And it was definitely a little bit of a competition with us. But I'll tell you right now, like I I talk to Khalil all the time. Like, yo, anytime AP is doing something and there's audio, I'm going to listen to it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, Big Up Jinx, Randy, you know what I'm saying? The Connecticut crew. Like, you know, shoot. I mean, I, we straight up ass Jinx. Yo, why why you not clashing? Yeah, he, he was on the show <laughs> you know? as well. Yeah. Bro, I mean, for me, their sound is just amazing. I, I just... Because I like the even the way like Jinx puts me when I voice when I voice a dub. I mean, obviously I don't clash. So me, I'm I'm voicing more so for juggling. You know what I mean? Purposes and, and it sounds for it to sound good on the radio. You know what I mean? But yeah. Jinx thinks like he thinks different when he's voicing. You know what I mean? It's like he will sit there. I've seen him rewrite a whole song, bro. And think of shit like, okay, have him say this and this and rewrite the whole song for the artist to say. And it's just, I mean, I know a lot of sounds do that, but it's like the way he does it is just amazing to me. I don't know. I don't know. For me, like I will put AP up against some of the biggest names. And I know people would look at me and laugh or say that's crazy. And you haven't probably really heard AP juggle or or, or clash. You know what I'm saying? Because I think they're amazing, bro. Like I will put them against... I will put I will put them against some of the huge sounds, and I think they would do good. I think they would do real good. Yeah, man. You know what I mean? If if not if not win, I think they would be like stand. They 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 wouldn't get knocked out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, man. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah. Let man. me ask you this though. Let me ask y'all a question. How do you? Because uh, uh, me when, me what I noticed in this last two years, I've been getting a lot of international bookings, right? And me, the way I like to juggle is I like to have a real balance between authentic reggae and dance hall and commercial. Like, and um, what do you guys feel about artists or groups like Major Lazer and stuff like that? And, and, and like that whole sound, like, do you consider that authentic dance hall? Yo. I'll go first because Agar. <laughs> Let me cut your cut off your tangent. I'll keep mine short. Yeah. No, um, Major Laser, yo, I love Major Laser and their sound, um, especially for like a diverse crowd. Yo, their music is like the perfect music to form a bridge from another segment into a more hardcore segment. Right. Um, just keeping everybody dancing and step. And then, you know what I'm saying? You you can just, like, like drive the energy all the way up <laughs> through the roof right. at that point. You know what I'm saying? So I love um I love what they do. And, and reggae, that is reggae. Like, forget people that try to put our music in a box, man. Come on, man. Jamaica exactly. is the most creative place upon the planet ever in the history of the world. You know, all these genres come out of Jamaica. So it's like, why exactly. wouldn't you... Why wouldn't you put that all on display, you know what I'm saying, if you're given the opportunity to do so. So, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like we've had Walshy um and Jillian there on the show, you know what I'm saying? Like they I mean, yo, we we definitely look up to those guys um for what they do. And yeah. um, you know, I want to circle back and talk to you a little bit about that, but I'll let I'll let Agar go. 
Yeah, I mean, for me, um, Major Laser came out at a time when I was kind of bored with dancehall a little bit. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So, like, 2009, 2010, you know, when they came out with, like, Vibes Cartel, Ponder Floor, and all that stuff. Like, yo, I was super vibing to it. Um, the interesting thing about Major Laser, though, it's like they're a sound system and a band, right, in a sense. Right, So, they go through, uh, I want to say like periods of different types of music. And I would say the last few years has been more of the Brazilian, yeah, you know what I'm saying, Brazilian funk, yeah. style, ballet funk, yeah. and, um, you know, a lot of mixing Afro, you know, especially Walshie, you know, his his album was all Afrobeat mixing with Caribbean. So it was like all reggae and Afrobeat, all soca and Afrobeat, that type of stuff. So... You know, like you were saying earlier with like the Afro beat stuff, like it's a good segue. You know what I mean? All that stuff, like when um, we talked to Jillian there about this, but when like Moombatom was like real popular and all that stuff, like I would mix in and back and forth and blend mm -hmm. all the Caribbean stuff because it's all kind of related. So I would say this to answer your question. I think as a DJ, it's a, they have very good tools to, to marry traditional dance music with the dance hall right. you know what i'm saying and, and a lot of other stuff so yeah i, I can't knock it at all i'm a little bit biased because you know <laughs> my, those are my people i, I but, say yeah. that because i really feel like two things i feel like that's that's kind of like the future of caribbean music i feel like that's kind of like the future in a, in a way and i feel like that's like the fix to the monotony, you know what I'm saying? I feel like, mm -hmm. because I feel like in a hardcore dance, you, you should be able to play more Major Lazer in a hardcore dance. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like it breaks it up and it, it breaks up constant playing the same thing and this, that, and the third. Yeah. And like, the music is just amazing, bro. You right. know what I'm saying? So like, yeah. um, cause sometimes I get a lot of issues. Like if I go overseas and it's like a reggae night and I play, a lot of major ladies, they're like, man, I thought he was going to play some more real dance. So I was like, yo, that's it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's a, But I feel like that's like the future, almost like the future of dance hall. Because some places you go to, they they look at that. You got to remember, like, a young kid that's just now getting put onto dance hall, he feels like that's authentic dance hall. A young kid in Qatar that's just now getting put onto Vibes Cartel, he, he's probably his, one of his first songs he probably heard was probably upon the floor. You know what I'm saying, or or something, yeah. something like that. So he looks at it like that's his dancer. You know what I'm saying? Like that's to him, that's authentic dancer. I don't know. I just felt like I bring it up because I feel like that that would help break up kind of like the monotony if people looked at at it more as authentic. Because I like like you said, Khalil. I don't even look at it as like a different genre. I look at it as dancer. If you ask me, right? It's yeah. dancer. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean look, even like violent funk and Afro beats. It's, it's like Soka and dance hall's little cousin. Exactly. You know what I mean? It is all offshoots uh, from the original thing. You know what I'm saying? And yeah, the more like, yo, when you go to like places like Barbados or, you know, like some of the islands and when you turn on the radio, man, like, yo, 
yo, those DJs down there are crazy. Like they play like every genre, like <laughs> mixed in with everything else around the clock. You know what I'm saying? Like it's only like over here where things are so compartmentalized and so segmented. You know what I'm saying? And we, you all like, no, you're breaking the rules. You know? But right, <laughs> like, right, right. So that's, that's what I mean. Like especially when you got girls, when you these purists. Yeah, like these purists that feel like, oh no, you're supposed to play like this, and I think that's why. There's so many people playing the same music because they're scared to go out the box because oh, yeah. the purists will come out and attack and say, oh, yo, you know, you're supposed to play like this and da 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 and they're not going to get the forwards or, yeah. you know, things that they're looking for. That's why I bring up the major because, bro, I'm a, I'm a major laser, like, fiend, bro. Like, <laughs> I love their music. I, yeah. I, you know what I'm saying? I love them, bro. Like, I think, like, they're amazing, bro. Like, I don't know exactly how they come up with their shit. You know what I mean? I don't know if... If it's mainly just Diplo that does one thing and, and Jillionaire and, and, and Washley come up with their own. I don't know if they connect together. I don't know if there's more produced. I don't know, but it's just amazing to me. You know what I mean? And I wish that is incorporated more in the hardcore dances. I just think it would just be a, a, a better thing for dancehall. Did, did anybody at, like hand you a rule book in, in Atlanta at the time? Because, <laughs> like, yo, I think there's like some secret code like with certain sounds, yo, where it's like, yo, you know, they they huddle up and be like, Psh, yeah, it's like, yo. <laughs> I mean, because that's like, how yo, I you, like to mix. Like, like somebody to... told me that, yo, this was like years and years and years and years ago, okay, um, when Club Kaya was open, which mm -hmm. was like before Visions, probably before you came to Atlanta. But, um, you know, they were like, yo, you can't play five singing tunes in a row in Atlanta. <laughs> and this was like a popular sound that was playing out. And I was like, yo, if you see the look that I gave them, I was just like, what? Yo, that, yo, that, yo, that got me so vexed, yo. Cause mm -hmm. I, you know, I used to be that dude that, yo, it could be the hypest party, you know, everybody expecting just jump up, jump up all night. And I'll come in and drop like a nice 30 minute segment <laughs> with culture and lovers rock. And get right. all forwards, you like the whole round forwards. Everybody's like, "Oh my god!" Like, yo, how did they do it? Right. But it's like, yo, you just have to play your style. You just have to understand that people don't want just one thing, yo. You know what I mean? Right. Like, so because that's that's how I like to do it. I like to listen. I like to because I'm about to start doing like this little mix series and put it online and do like these like 20 minute mixes. I like that's what I like to do. I like to play a major laser song. The tail end of that, there's a nice instrumental. I'm going to mix it with like a Buju, a Cartel, an Alkaline, a Movado. I'm going to throw it on there to the point where you be like, are they on that rhythm? Or you, or, you know what I mean? Or you be like, oh, that was a dope mix. That's my style. That's what I love to do. You know what I mean? I love to incorporate that. And like you said, there's a lot of people that be like, ah, that's too left for me. But that's those purists. But as DJs, I think we get caught up with trying to please the purists. And my girl, when she's listening to it, she's like, oh, that's my tune. Yo, that's so fun, you know, cash. You know what I'm saying? So I think most people don't care about that. You know what I mean? They think right, as long especially as it the girls. Good, right. You know what I mean? As long as it sounds good and it feels good, I think most people aren't going to care. You know what I mean? Like, that's all they care about. But I think we get caught up in playing for those purists that just kind of like are going to be there and give that criticism, you know? Yeah, man. People, they're playing for... for you know, it's like Salmon playing for other Salmon. That's always been happening. You know what I mean? Right. And it takes a certain level of courage and commitment because what it sounds like is your ideal situation is to get the dance moving, 
right? right? And a lot of other people, I think they have an idea of when they're growing up, this is what this meant and this is what that meant. Right. And after a while, you know, if you if you start getting bored, you wanna you wanna make, you wanna make it fun for yourself and other people, and that's where it comes in. That's why, like you know, with the technology now, you know, we can mix in and out of genres and right. different vibes and blends, and and it's like, yo, I don't understand DJs who don't even they don't even have loops. You know right. I mean? But see, like, <laughs> to, I, like this, be, is, this is what yeah. I don't. This is what I really don't understand. In a dance, maybe I can understand why you don't do certain things in a dance because it's like okay. Maybe yeah. everybody doesn't want to hear your remixes and this, that, and the third, and, and the dance. You know what sure. I'm saying? But even when I sit and I listen to certain mixes, it's like, this mix is boring to me, bro. Because it's just like, okay, especially now with Serato, everybody can match BPMs and, and mix and mix and make this record to that record. Like, wow me. Play, mix something, do something. I'm like, oh, wow, okay, that's, that's dope. Right now, to me, you just playing music. I could just put on Pandora and hear yeah. The same thing, you know what I'm saying? You're just playing one song to this song and you this song to that song. There's, there's no wow factor. There's, there's nothing that makes me raise an eyebrow. There's nothing. I'm just like, okay, you're playing music. Like, that's it. I can, I can go to any platform and listen to that. I could put, a, I could put in my top 10 artists and they'll play this, do the same thing, you know what I'm saying? And so I don't know, to me, I just, that's why I want to re- release like, the mix series, and hopefully y'all have me back when I do the mix series. And yeah, I want y'all to be brutally honest yeah, with oh, some yeah. of the mixes. And I, I want that to be like a segment where y'all like just straight up diss the parts you don't like and praise the parts you do like and then just dissect my mix. Because I feel like nobody has fun with their, even with their mix anymore. Mm. You know what I mean? Like it used to be on a CD or a mix or you, that's where you can kind of go super left because you're not worried about the forwards and the dance. But even now, I listen to certain people mixes is just uninspiring. You know what I mean? It's like, man. I mean, there are lots of DJs. Not to say, like, there's no... There there, there are lots of DJs that... Yeah, yeah of course. Back. But I'm just saying, like, the norm. The norm is just kind of like, okay, just putting together... I think everybody's just such in a rush to put out new music in their mix that they're not thinking of, like, how to deliver yeah. the new music. You know what I mean? They yeah. want you to feel like, oh, I put this out first, or oh, I had it out in my mix since last week but i don't think everybody cares about that like that anymore you know yeah everybody's just trying to be first but me i'm just trying to be dope i want it to be like when you hear my mix is like nah son i like this mix right here you know what i mean right so, that mix that somebody yeah. will listen to again and again and again and draw for it you know what i mean exactly exactly because that's that's another reason why like if you listen to my production when i produce stuff like if you listen to the song i did with tiffa all night long I don't even know what to call it. When people ask me, like, is this a dance or a record? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I, know, I know me and Tiffa come from dance hall backgrounds, but you know what I mean? So obviously that's where the influence comes from, but I don't know where to put it. Yeah, I wanted to definitely bring that up, man. Like, um, to me, that it's a club record. You know what I'm saying? It's a party. You know, it's something that you you, you would play or hear at a party. <laughs> That's what I. But what genre would you put in? Would you I say mean, it's a dance record? Honestly, I couldn't <laughs> tell you, it's because <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. Like now, that's what that's how music is now. You know, um, right. on this show, Agard was the one who said, you know, that he believes genres are dead. Genres are dead. <laughs> that's true. That's, it's that's totally true. irrelevant. In, in a real sense, especially these young kids out here, you know, they just, they like what they like and that's it. Like genres is right. for, you know, critics and 
um, journalists and stuff like that to right. put things in categories. You know, that's their job. Because <laughs> yeah. everybody asks me all the time, so um, is this a dance hall record? Is it? I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't have the answer to that, bro. I don't. Yeah. Put it, put it, and put it whatever you, wherever you thing. feel it as you go. You know what I mean? Because that's the way yeah, I try to produce. Because the record before this, I produced even was Slow Wine with Wyfin Lucci and DeMarco. Like, even that combination in itself is a is an odd couple. Like, you would not expect to see them two on a record. But I did that on purpose. You know what I mean? Because, like, even that record is kind of like, okay, it has that feel that, that Drake does. You know what I'm saying? That I guess... I guess the only way I can describe it is like a Caribbean pop is somehow they describe it. Right. But like, I don't know. I, I, when I try to produce and I try to make music, I try to think like, how can I solve that DJ problem that we talking about the, the monotonous same thing? How can we, it's the only way to do that is to make something where it's like, you can't really put in a category. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, man, that's kind of like how I produce when I produce records and stuff like that. Cause if you listen to the song, so I use I, I use like dancehall snares. And you know what I mean? But that whole that whole melody is is like more of like a R and B popish melody, and I just put dancehall snares behind it. You know what I'm saying? So when I even when I create music, I try to solve the world's problem of sounding the same when you're a DJ. You know what I mean? Yeah, man. So when did you start um, the production thing, man? Like, how did that kick off? Yo, the crazy thing is I've, I've been producing for years, bro. I've been producing for years. And to be real with you, it was, it, it was really, it was really DeMarco and Mixmaster David that was saying like, yo, why don't you put this why? shit? I don't know. I, and <laughs> I don't have no real reason why I didn't. Like, I was just, I would just always make beats. You know what I mean? I would just always make beats. And I would, um, Cause I used to, I always loved like remixing songs and stuff. So I would like hear a melody and I'd be like, damn, I like the melody, but I they gotta change the drums. So I would change the drums. And then, you know, back then I used to, I used to uh, rap and then just, you know, like I used to be a, a DJ on the mic, you know what I'm saying? So I used to kind of like, just always make my own beats and do all that, all that type of stuff. And then one time I think I did like a, a remix and I played it for David or something. And he was like, yo, that's not how the song goes. Like, who remixed, who, who like changed up the drums with it? I was like, I did. He was like, word, you do that? And then I played him some beats and he was like, this shit was fire. And he was the one that actually put me and DeMarco together. And then I linked with DeMarco, I played him some music. And he thought like I was getting these, these beats from other producers and bringing it to him. Like ghost, ghost producers. Yeah, because a lot yeah. of DJs do that now too, which I'm not knocking. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, they, they get producers to do it and they do it. And they get somebody on it, and then you know they, you know they, yeah. they, they talk their things on the record, and then, then they put it out. Right. But he was like, "Yo, so who you got producing for you, or whatever?" And I was like, "I did this." He was like, "Oh, that's stuff. Like, who helped you produce it?" I was like, "Nobody. I did it all by myself." <laughs> and he was like, "Word." And then we recorded like two songs that our first night when I when I just went to play him music, we recorded two songs, and then he called me. He was like, "Yo, what's up with those two songs? We're not gonna put them out." And I was just kind of like, uh, I guess. He was like, nah, bro. He was just like, bro, you have some dope, some dope production. You need to start really taking it serious and start putting it out. I guess maybe because I was just kind of unsure of my production. You know what I'm saying? I was just kind of like, eh, I don't think it's good enough or whatever. But 
when I heard DeMarco say, yo, nah, son, you got some rhythms that I would like send it to me and I'm gonna get on it and I'm gonna put it out on my label and or on my album. That's when I was like, okay, I, I need to start taking it more serious. When I started getting, but it was, I think I was in like Australia. A girl was like, um, yo, where, where can I find like your stuff? And I'm like, uh, what do you mean? Like, you know, <laughs> my stuff, she was like, like I went on like iTunes, and I went on this, that, and the third, and I don't see your music anywhere. And then that's when I knew too, like, she was basically begging me to buy something from me because you gotta remember, like over there, there's no dance hall on the radio. There's, there's not really places to go buy mix CDs and stuff with all that stuff on it. So she was like, I wanna, she wanna, she, she was literally asking for a shirt. Uh, after she seen I had no music, no mixes, she was like, okay, do you have a shirt I could buy? A hat? And that's when I was like, you know what? I need to start um, producing and putting out some music. Because when you look at, and then when you look at some of the biggest, even like one of another big sound of mine that I love, I grew up listening to is, is, is Massive Beat. You know, Bobby is putting mm-hmm. out rhythms. And when you look at, you know, Stone Love, there's putting out rhythms and stuff. So it's like, and then when you look at the Diplos and Washley, and when you look at the people who are big and get to a certain level, they're producing and putting out music. Right. You know what I mean? It's um, a natural so, progression for a lot of us, you know, in the game. And um, so with the all night long, you know, that's the brand new, brand spanking new joint featuring Tifa, um, Dance Hall Diva out of JA. And um, how, how did you link up with Tifa? So like Tifa came to the radio show one time um, when I was on V103. She came up there and I interviewed her and we've been cool ever since. So she's always kind of encouraged me too, like, yo, man, you got some dope stuff. You got some dope stuff. At first it just started like, okay, you got some dope stuff. Then it was like, oh yeah, that's really dope. Then it was like, oh, that's dope though. Then it was like, yo, how come I'm not on the rhythm, yo? I see so so <laughs> rhythm. I see so I see you doing music with that person, that person. Why am I not on the rhythm? So then um we just we just really just came up with some ideas and we just like, all right, I'm gonna send you some stuff, let me know what you like. And then last year when I had my birthday party. Um, it was more like a birthday concert. I threw like this concert and she was a part of it. So instead of her going home, I was like, yeah, why don't you stay for a few days and we just link in this, you know, in the studio and we just see what we come up with. And that was like the first rhythm I played her. And then um, she was just kind of like freestyling and like, ah, 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 ah. and then she had a homegirl in the studio with her like, yo, that sound good. And she just kind of like, me and her are always arguing about men, and women, what each, like gender roles and what each other should be doing. We're always doing that. So she just started, you know, talking her talk on a record about what a woman wants. And it was just kind of like dope. We're like, yo, you should keep that. And then she just kind of freestyled it. Yo, she's a, like amazing artist, you know what I mean? And when she was done, we were just like, yo, this shit is hard. Cause we recorded, I think like three, three songs that night or something like that. And then we were just like, nah, this is, this is hard. So after the slow wine, um, record started dying down. I was like, I'm just gonna put it out. And y'all gotta see the video. The video is like last minute, like, mm-hmm. yo, let's shoot a video for it. Tiffany linked me, like, yo, I like this song. Let's shoot a video for it. I'm like, uh, we're in a pandemic. <laughs> you know <what> I'm <laughs> so she was like, yo, let's just figure it out. So what we did was she was she just started sending me, no exaggeration, like 20 links of places. And what we did was we wind up having a two-man film crew and i rented a a studio airbnb 
and we shot it in three hours. Okay. Crazy, bro. I mean, yeah. I've never seen nothing <laughs> like it. And she, mind you, she has three wardrobe and hair changes. Okay. <laughs> Yo, so, this pandemic wow. has caused a lot of, uh, you know, creativity, man. So it sounds like <laughs> that's yeah. right here. <laughs> but watch when you see it. When you see it. I want you like like I said. I want I want to come back if y'all have me. I want to come back and discuss because you would if I didn't tell you that you would have never known. You would have never known that's a studio apartment that we booked on Airbnb and shot it in three hours, bro. You would never know. You would never know. That's crazy technology, man. Yeah, you would never know. Tight shots, bro. That's it. <laughs> 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 you know what I'm saying? And Tiffado Tiffa shares my same love for music and the same love for like. Like you said, just no genres. She loves. Yeah. Because when, even when I said, what you want to hear? You want to hear some dancehall rhythms? You want? She was like, nah, just play me what, what you like. Play me rhythms that you like. And that's what we did. Like, and I was on Tiffa's. I produced a song on, um, a song called Maybe on her Curry Goat and Champagne album. You know what I mean? I produced a song called Maybe on there. And that song is like mad R&B-ish. So she knows like. Don't put me in a box either. Don't because just because I'm Jamaican and I come from the dancehall world, don't just give me a whole a whole heap of, you know, dancehall rhythms. Give me something, you know, give me just stuff that you think is dope and I and I and I'ma kill it. And that's exactly what she did. Yeah. That's what's up. Man. Yeah, man. Let artists be artists. Yeah. Yeah. But not every artist has that range though. So it's scary yeah. as a producer to be like, all right, I'm gonna give you this. And the worst thing like a producer wants to do is feel like he wasted a beat, a dope-ass beat on somebody that didn't. You know what I'm saying? You feel like, damn, I should have gave that to this person or that person. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, but at the same time, you know, those those are the things that um I think are needed with a lot of artists. Like, work, be able to work with producers who can kind of um see things in them that they don't see themselves. You know what I'm saying? To be able to achieve like a greater product right talk to Leela Ike and you know some of the stuff that's on her EP you know she talks about how you know the process with like working with the producers that like we're like you know don't worry about it Leela just sing you know this is trust me you know and um, I think about like um the Alkaline verse on Walshie's album which to me is like the dopest Alkaline verse (laughs) of them all you know what I'm saying But, but you don't expect to hear him like on that type of beat with that type of subject matter and, and that type of thing. So I mean, but but you know, I, I think for me, when I think of that, when I think of that that song, yeah. Um to me, that's that's what makes Washley a genius. That's what makes him amazing. Because I, I feel like that was his doing. You know what I'm saying? That was oh, yeah. his direction. That was him saying, Yo, I got a rhythm. Don't just hear me out. Like, you know what I'm saying? Just, right. Just, yeah. You know what I mean? Don't just say no to the rhythm. You know what I mean? Just hear me out. I got an idea. You know, that's what makes him amazing. You know what I mean? Like dudes like him, dudes like I love, like, like even like dude, even like Bobby, Bobby from uh, uh, um, Massive B. He has a way of just taking classic rhythms and making it sound brand new, bro. Like, he, he, like yeah. I don't know how he does it, but he just has a way of doing that. And Washley, Washley just has a way of just bringing artists out of their shell, you know what I mean? And that's kind of what I aspire to be like, you know? Yeah. Yeah, man. So what what's so, coming so, up next? Yeah, it's just that's <laughs> the question. <laughs> um well I'm gonna email Washington and see if he wanna do something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Exactly. Sounds like that's the move. Yeah, nah, but um 
I'm gonna put out an EP too. Like I got an EP. I got a man. I, I'm so excited for y'all again. I want I, if y'all will have me back. Definitely, I want man. Dissect. You don't gotta definitely. say. You don't gotta say it no more. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Just like, schedule it. Yeah, definitely. Because the EP is like I put like Verse Simmons on a song with Demarco. Um, Whoa, bro. Okay. When I say this song is so fire, bro. This song is so fire, bro. So fire. And it's so crazy because me and me and Wash, uh, me and um, Verse. Um, went in the studio first and I had another session with DeMarco I just we went to go do an, another song and I played it for him just to be like what do you think of this you know what I'm saying and he was like what do I think nigga you better put me on the song <laughs> he's like that's what I think he yeah. was like forget the song we're gonna record I want to get on this and I was like okay cool and like I love it because it, it, it just gives me the feeling of like like that, the feeling I felt when I fell in love with Reagan, like it gives me the Rasta bop, like it mm. gives me the like, you know, Guinness in one hand, Spliff in the other, and mm. you know what I'm saying? Fresh clocks and just, you know, a, a mesh marina, like, you know what I'm saying? And you just, yeah, yeah, yeah. it gives me that feel, son, you know what I mean? That's why I just love the record so much. And I don't know, like, I, I just want to think to put, to them two on the record either too but it, it, it sounds amazing so i got them and you're gonna hear a lot of like the demarco on my ep because i just think he's one of those artists his range is just ridiculous yeah. bro thank you yeah yeah definitely his range is just bro like i hear him i hear because he produces a lot of bro i went to this i went to this session with demarco bro. i've seen his studio seen he his has studio? like bro the, he's yeah. the only artist i know that can produce his own record, engineer his own session, mix and master his own record, <laughs> write his record. It's like, yo, bro, it's like, it's insane. Even the record we did, he like, we had an engineer booked and everything. He's like, I go I go to get some food, come back, and DeMarco is engineering the session. And, and the, mic's, the mic's right here, bro, and he's engineering the session. I'm like, yeah. yo, I'm paying for hourly for engineering. He's just like, yo, engineering the session. You know what I'm saying? So... Yeah. It's amazing to work with him. And every time I work with him, we come up with just like some fire, dope, different stuff. So I'm the EP basically is next. And there's a whole heap of DeMarco on there. I got Versimmons on there. Um, I got I, I got a youth from Haiti who's dope. His name is um, Mika Ben. Nice. Okay. Dope. He, he, he performed at my birthday party. Like he has a huge following. He's super dope. Um, and I just want to give that world feel for the record. Like, you know what I mean? This, like I said, there's some of that, some of that where you have that, that bop, that, you know, that reggae bop, but then I got some records that are just like that world feel, you know what I mean? So the EP's up next. I'm trying to shoot videos. It's hard because of this pandemic, but yeah, I'm going to yeah. start shooting videos as soon as like um, December, but okay. soon. You yeah. got a name for the EP? You know, it's crazy. Y'all just kind of gave me the name when I when I was just when we were just what you call it um, when we were just talking about music. Okay. No genre. I think I want to call it no genre. See, well, that. you know, if exclusive, <laughs> if if there were liner notes, I I should ho hope for a shout out. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, definitely. I mean, do people? Uh, you know what? Maybe we gotta do nah, like a limited nah. edition, like a vinyl. A limited edition vinyl. Why not? With the back and saying the credits and the shout outs and all that stuff like we used to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, I think I, I think I'm, I think, like I said, during this whole time, I think during our conversation, I think I'm gonna call it 
No Genres. Does somebody have a, a, a project named No Genres yet? Um, not that I know of. Yeah, I think that's what I want to call it. No genres. That's yeah. what's up, man. Yeah, man. So we got. Well, we're definitely looking forward for that. Damn. Yeah, yo, First Demarco. We always talk about Demarco, Demarco man, because he's an instrument. Like his voice is ridiculous. Yeah. Like he, he's oh, got he could like be that in any auto, genre, at auto every genre, and his voice naturally. It's like, yo, what is this? Amazing, bro. <laughs> like to watch his process is 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 amazing, bro. Like it's a. It's unreal, like to watch his process. Like we would just go in the studio and we would just talk, we would laugh and we would just joke, right? And then he'll be like, all right, play me some stuff. He'll, I'll just start playing him stuff. Some stuff he'll be like, okay, that's dope. Yeah, I like that. And I always know the one with the markers. He'll be like, yo, he started taking off his jacket. He started, you know what I mean? And it's like nothing, this dude comes up with melodies. Like it's like he has them in his back pocket, bro. He'll just be like, all right, yo, put, yo, he told the engineer, like, yo, all right, I'm going to booth. And he'll just come up with these melodies. I'm like, yo, like, that's dope. And then he'd be like, all right, cool. Let's keep that melody. He'd be like, you sure? You sure? All right, but have a next melody. Watch, watch, watch this one. Watch it. And he'd like, he'll come up with the next one. You're like, yo, that's dope. Now nah, keep that. And then he'll come up with the next one. It's almost to a point where you gotta tell him, like, all right, chill, 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 chill. Just like, let's stick to one. Cause he'll just keep coming with like something dope, something dope, something dope. And just keeps getting it. It's just amazing to watch him. And he'll just go in the, he'll just, he'll go in the booth and just start humming something. And just start coming up with these words and just boom, 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 boom. It's just like, it's amazing. It's almost like a freestyle. It's just, he just gets in there and just, I don't even know how to explain it, bro. It's just crazy, bro. I'm, yeah, I, I told it myself, like, I'm going to start really, like, shooting some BTS footage of this stuff. Because it's people, if, sometimes people won't even believe me if I tell you how certain one. He came up with slow eyes, slow eyes. I've been watching you the whole time. And he just... Just came up with it, just got in there and was just like literally singing that as he walks in the booth and the mic is on, you can hear him. And I was like, what was that you just said? And he was just like, oh, what? what I just said? I had to like play it back and he's like, okay, yeah, I could do that. And just, it just comes out. I don't know how to describe it. Like, he's an amazing artist, bro. My favorite to work with. My favorite to work with. So Amen. naturally I got mad songs with him. I'm just like, yo, yeah. this is going to sound like a DeMarco album, but I don't even care because... He's just, he's an amazing artist, bro. Amazing. Yeah, man. Well, people need to hear it, man. That's what's up. We're very excited, feeling your energy, you know what I'm saying? And um, Yeah, man. That's that's going to be needed to promote it. Thank you, bro. Now, I'm excited, man. I, I feel like a kid. I feel like, you know, it's just, it's just dope to hear people say, yo, I love, because I think like right now, it's like, I'm in that, um, I'm in that passing out flyer stage in my production career. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, um, even though I'm confident in my music, I'm not necessarily looking to win a Grammy right away. But I am, I'm enjoying the process now of people, like, getting to know me now on this level and, like, riding with me. Because I'm seeing the people who, when I drop Slow Wine, play, putting this on their playlist, reaching out, saying, oh, about time, yo, you dropped this. I was waiting for you to drop. So it's fun to see that process all over, like, just like when I started came to DJing out here and I'm giving out flyers and, and people are calling me on a Friday night saying, yo, where you going to be at tonight? Or it, it was fun seeing that, that progression. So it's fun seeing this as a producer now. People saying, yo, what's up with the next joint? Or yo, I like this joint. I like what you got next. It's just dope to, you know, to have that, to see that, you know? So yeah, I'm excited, super excited for the project. Yeah, man. Sounds great, man. Wow. Yo, how could how could people get in touch with you, man? Like, how how do they follow you? 
Where can they see you? What you doing? At DJ Cash, ATL Cash with a K on all platforms. Uh, I'm trying to get better with other social media sites other than Instagram. Because to me, just Instagram is just like my go-to. But basically, DJ yeah. Cash, ATL on all platforms. Follow me on YouTube, um, Twitter, um, TikTok. I had to like restart my TikTok. So yeah, follow me on TikTok, Instagram, everything. DJ Cash, ATL Cash with a K. Holla at me. Yeah, man, and 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 your radio show as well. Yeah, man, I, I kind of, I'm kind of, to be real with you, I'm I'm kind of taking a break from from the reggae show. And, okay. Um, and um, I kind of passed the torch to Jalion Sounds. Um, um, good you, great you. Um, I helped get him on the station um years ago, so it only made sense to pass it on to him because it's just yeah, really man. hard for me to to get everything done now because. I'm on this station. I'm on like two other stations. I'm traveling. Well, before COVID, um, I'm, I was traveling a lot and just, you know, in the studio more. So it's hard to get these mixes done and to get everything mm-hmm. in on time. You know what I mean? So I kind of passed the torch to him. But um, so, yeah, but it's yeah, still man, but- 8, 8 p.m., 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. Sunday nights. You know what I mean? Jalion holds it down. He does his thing. Big up Mix Master David, too. He does his thing on, on Saturdays. Five o'clock on V one hundred three. So, me, I just want the yeah. culture to go forward. So, I shout out everybody radio show. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, man. <laughs> and we're looking and we're looking forward to those twenty minute mixes you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna do them. You we know get, what I mean? We're gonna I'm, hold you to it. Yeah, I'm, yeah, please. I, I want, I want to come on once a week, once a month, or something, and you dissect them, please. <laughs> dissect them. Yeah, man. Yo, so. definitely, man. I want to just you know give you a vote of confidence on the produ- production thing. Um, we talk a lot about music and we talk, you know, from selecting to, um, you know, artists and production and everything like that on this platform. And, um, you know, one of the things that we always talk about is the main element. The first thing, if you want to do anything, the first thing you got to have is the love. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you have like that passion just overflowing out of you. You know what I'm saying? So I know that, you know, that combined with your experience in the clubs, you know what I'm saying? When you get down to making productions and, and music for people to rock to, I know it's going to come through. And, um, you know what I mean? Like the way that you're working with DeMarco, you know, trust me, you're going to be working with everybody that you want to work with out there in the business. And, you know what I'm saying? It's going to be real big. So we're looking forward to that EP. And, um, nah, thank you, bro. Thank you. I appreciate it. You know, you don't understand how much that means. Like, you know, even just that little bit of confidence, bro, goes a long way. Cause this is, you, y'all know it's a hard business, you know, it's a really yeah. hard business and you know, it's a, it's hard, especially when you got mouths to feed, you got bills to pay. It's a hard business because the level of commitment and sacrifice, bro, it's <laughs> like I'm like I'm here talking to y'all instead of putting my kids to bed. You know what I mean? It's that level of commitment. You know what I'm saying? It's hard. So to hear people say, "Yo, just keep the love up, and you you know you'll be all right," man, it means a lot and it goes far. So thank you, man. I appreciate. It. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. All night long and, uh, available. That's the that's the name of it, right? Yeah, all night long. Because yeah, Tiffa seems long. to think Tiffa seems to think you need to go all, all night long to satisfy women. <laughs> <laughs> I, I strongly disagree. <laughs> but yes, the name of the song is All Night Long, and that's what she's talking about. It, it, the title is like what it sounds like, you know what I mean? So definitely check it out. It's on all platforms. Yeah, man. Um, it's a dope record. You decide whether it's dancehall, Afrobeat, hip-hop, R&B, because I, I can't tell. So 
yeah, when you check it out, definitely hit me up on Instagram. Like I said, at DJ Cash, ATL Cash with K. Let me know what you think. Yeah, man. Yo, give thanks, Cash. Thank you so much, man. Nah. Really appreciate yeah, it. Man. Thank you, guys. Thank you for having me, man. It was really fun, man. I appreciate y'all. Yeah, man. Likewise. Definitely love. I hope it. I hope I'm I hope this is the first of like a million or more times that I'm on here. You know what I mean? <laughs> as much as you want, man. As much as you want. All right, man. Stay yes, safe, man. That was such a dope convo, man. I'm telling you. I hope nobody's feelings got too too hurt from that one. But at the same time, you know, I'm sure another set of people probably feel inspired after listening to that one as well. What do you say? Yeah, man. Shout out to DJ Cash. You know, he definitely kept it real. Uh, I'm going to start calling him Energy God. You know what I'm saying? Because, yo, the whole interview or the whole conversation is a lot of energy. You know, if you're an aspiring DJ or you're, you're coming up in the game right now, you know, you should definitely follow Cash. And, and a lot of things he said tonight were very relevant. DJ Cash came up with the name of his upcoming EP during this conversation. So there were lots of sparks flying. Yeah, man. So look out for No Genres. Yeah, man. Upcoming EP featuring DeMarco and others. Yeah, man. And uh, hopefully uh, Cash keeps his word, you know. If there were liner notes, like I said, you know, we would be definitely getting a big up because we inspired the title, allegedly. <laughs> Yo, other thing that was pretty cool was, you know, him flipping it on us and, and asking us questions during the interview. Like, yo, how are you going to take over, man, podcast, yo? You know, he was asking us about Major Lazer. Yeah, man. I mean, he's a he's a professional interviewer himself. But yeah, speaking of Major Lazer, um, yeah, they, they came up in conversation because they're always, you know, reinventing themselves. They're always ahead of the curve when it comes to music. You know, Diplo is one of the uh, predominant, you know, uh, uh, preeminent producers in the game, produced for people like Madonna, Usher, and a laundry, a whole slew of, of artists. Um, today, I actually got to check out, you know, their new um, YouTube produced documentary. It's a short form documentary. It's only about a half an hour long. It's called uh, Chasing the Sound, Major Lazer. And basically what this uh, documentary is about is Major Lazer's connection to Africa. You know, specifically Nigeria and Ghana. Um, they featured a lot of artists that are tearing up not only Nigeria and Ghana, but tearing up Europe and parts of America right now. You know, they had uh, an, an event with... Uh, Fela Kute's son, you know, where he um, he built a museum to, you know, in remembrance of his father, which is also, I believe, a venue. So that was very interesting. Uh, while she was talking about, he did his ancestry, as did I, and uh, most of his heritage is from Ghana, as as is mine. <laughs> so when they went to Ghana, he had the um, opportunity to go check out one of the forts where you know enslaved people had to um wait for two three weeks until they were shipped out so that part of the documentary is very 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 emotional you know what i'm saying so yeah i mean it's a it's it's a good look major laser is always ahead of the curve you know they've introduced the world to baile funk out of brazil 
Um, they've helped to promote dancehall music all over the world, and now they are helping to promote Afrobeat, you know, across the world. Pretty dope, man. I definitely want to make that trip, you know, the return home to Ghana as well. Been seeing a lot of footage for years of those um, stockades yeah. where the enslaved people were held. And obviously not only for that, you know, just after touch ground upon the motherland, still, st- um, same way, still. Yeah. And uh, while she had actually echo- echoed something that I heard a few people refer to, because there's been a, a number of celebrities that have gone back to Ghana recently, and they talk about whenever somebody greets them, you know, and they find out they're from America or wherever, you know, they say, welcome home. So that in itself is like very, very touching. Real talk, man. Please check out the episodes 201 and 202, which were released earlier this season, back in July um, on this podcast. Available in the archives, those interviews feature a lengthy conversation or should I say in-depth conversation with Walshy Fire from Major Laser, And uh, episode 202 features a in-depth conversation with Jillionaire, formerly of Major Laser. Yeah, a.k.a. Chris Leacock. Shout out those two individuals. You know, they're a big part of my motivation right now. You know, I guess for the last decade, you know, they've done a lot of stuff in and out of the music game. So big up to them. Yeah, man. And I love the fact that they're so, um, especially Walshy, you know, his love for sound clash culture and sound system culture is very clear and apparent, even though he dabbles in just about every genre there mm-hmm. is out here. You know, he just wrapped up the Serato No Jingbang Sound Clash tournament. And before I go on, What's the name of the documentary you just mentioned? Chasing the Sound, Major Laser. Yeah, so Chasing the Sound, Major Laser is one of the tastemaker selections for this episode. We'll put a link in the show notes so you could check that out. All right. But like I was saying, Walshy and Chris Diamond of Code Red Sound, and I think English Fire, and I think Mattia from Warrior Sound all were collaborating on this No Jingbang tournament, which was sponsored by Serato mm-hmm. and was viewed on the official Serato Twitch cha- uh, channel, Sound Clash Tournament. Just recently wrapped up with uh, Tech 9 from Brooklyn versus Cannabis Sound out of Antigua and Montserrat. And boy, it was a nice, nice final, yo. I'm not going to lie. Found uh, you know the time to check out the final live yeah big up to walshy on orchestrating that whole thing um him and the whole team and you know achieving major corporate sponsorship for an online clash tournament i think that's one of the first um of its kind you know what i'm saying to kind of be put out in such an official way yeah man that serato look is a good look um do you remember who was playing on tech nine tech nine was father tech. Oh, okay okay got it yeah, I mean, I would run through the whole clash, but no, no, I no. want to stay away from that. Because <laughs> I just want to big up the overall tournament, yeah. you know what I'm saying, um, and leave it at that. Which brings us to the sound clash conversation. Okay. <laughs> Another thing that was worth checking out uh, recently was Sean Paul's interview as he was a guest on The Fix. And you all 
listeners of Reggae Lover know about The Fix because we had Naro, one of the hosts of The Fix, on our show as well earlier this season. August, right? Yeah, I believe so. Definitely check out that interview um, on our show if you haven't. And you can check out The Fix interview with Sean Paul. He, you know, spent a good amount of time sitting with them and rapping. And one of the things they talked about was Sound Clash. And this is because, and not Sound Clash only, but just Clash in general. You know what I mean? So they were bigging up versus between Bounty and Beanie, how it was a good look. There was recently an article that was published where Sean Paul voiced his disapproval of sound clash culture the way that it's manifested today because of the prevailing negativity and the way that it promotes violence and you know just paraphrasing one of the things that struck him was he watched the movie Django and saw how one slave was pit against another and had to, you know, they had to basically fight to the death or something like that for the entertainment of others. And um, so he referenced the Willie Lynch syndrome. And, you know, it was pretty deep. Like He was just like, he doesn't like what he sees in the dance hall world. And it's like, once, once you mention a particular artist and say, this artist is good, somebody else is going to immediately jump in and mention another artist and compare the two and say this artist is better than that artist and you know what I mean so that's kind of like that's my interpretation of what Sean Paul was saying yeah so he did profess that he loves the culture and how you know it was when he started out he kind of explained at length you know what I'm saying like how he's been in certain situations as such and how he's you know handled himself in those situations um you know talked about as a youth seeing i think it was ninja and shaba maybe or somebody yeah, else. i think it might have been ninja and shaba clash and then you know two fans in the crowd faced off and a man stabbed the next man you know what i'm saying over this like a art over the same argument who which artist is better so, you know what I mean? It's just like, yo, we need to move away from those type of those type of vibes basically. Okay. The way that he explained it, you know what I mean? Like I had to kind of agree because Agard, you and I have talked about this before. I think what what what, what was it? We were talking about COVID and the the quarantine and the pandemic. And how young artists need to just chill off of the clashing thing right now. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yo, yeah. we also talked about the ladies. Like, why can't two pretty ladies, you know what I'm saying, be out there in dance hall without them having to clash each other? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's always like a tear down the next one situation as opposed to unity. Which we don't know unity is strength. We don't know we gotta fight from internal powers, external powers. We gotta, you know, our industry, our music, it's just, you know, marginalized in a general sense everywhere. Many of our stars are unsung. 
is an opportunity to come together, yo. So from that whole, <laughs> from that angle, like I see what he's talking about. Bounty and Beanie on versus, yo, they built their careers years ago, and it involved this rivalry, which is now turned into something that could be very entertaining, and they packaged it in a very respectable way, very friendly competition, you know, for the purpose of entertainment, which is really what it is supposed to be. But the way that young artists handle it now, and then young selectors are doing, you know, very much the same, it's very personal, it's very violent, and it's not entertaining. <laughs> so it's like, what are we doing this for? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think the observa- observations are very keen. I, I agree with the observations. Um, I guess, to me, I would put it in two different categories in terms of um, dance hall culture. I would say that the artist's clashing thing is one thing and the sound clashing thing is another thing. Um, I think the artist clashing thing has run its course. Um, you know, even in hip-hop, you know, artists beef with other artists in hip-hop, that's, you know, it's some social media drama. I mean, same thing's happening in dancehall right now. It's just social media drama. It's not really two people who, first of all, um, don't have the catalogs. A lot of them don't have the catalogs to be battling it out musically, and it turns into something right. that's personal. Um, that's That's my opinion about the artist part of it. In terms of sound clash, I think that there are different types. You know what I mean? Like, all right, so they just finished up. I don't know if you got to listen to it, the finale of uh, 45 Shop Lock in uh, in the country, in Jamaica. But I, I enjoyed it very much, okay? Because everybody seemed to have a rapport with each other. You know what I'm saying? Even though they're clashing. I didn't hear no, you know, Eshimuma or nothing like that. Actually, I think it was against the rules, um, profanity. Uh, um, yes. And, you know, and th- it didn't stop anybody from showing their talent. You know, all the sounds involved, you know, um, were able to display their talent. You know, and I-, I enjoyed it very much. You know, I think that, you know, the sound clash thing, it's a lot more, there's a lot more skill involved with with it. And I think that the rules should be able to allow for the skill while keeping it classy, so to speak. You know what I mean? Like, I I don't have a problem with saying, yo, you can't curse. I mean, the records, the dubs could say whatever, but it was like the MCs themselves, you know, were not allowed to Mm -hmm. curse profanity at each other. You know what I'm saying? Or use profanity altogether. And it didn't take anything away from it. Um, As far as artists go, I don't see a need for it nowadays. You know, and I do agree with Sean Paul about the, you know, I mean, we, I've asked this question myself. You know, why is it that when Buju's album comes out, we have to like compare Buju and Cartel? You know what I mean? Like, you know, it's, it's, you judge it on its merits. You know what I'm saying? If Yeah. 
Yeah. That's that's just my opinion. You know what I mean? I, but yeah. I think it's a lot deeper than just the artists. I think it is a cultural thing. I think it is a slave thing. It is a competition thing. Something that you said about the sound clash, you know, sound systems battling, you know, the way that you just described that um, recent tournament was perfect. You know, Naro and Sean Paul and, and, and Ari, you know, on the fixed date, they touched on it. The fact that in the hip hop world, you know, freestyling and battling was always, obviously, always a part of the culture. Mm-hmm. Um, those type of things still happen now, but it's usually organized around a set of rules. It is. And that's what enables it to be entertaining and kept within certain parameters to ensure, you know what I'm saying? That, yo, people are actually going to be good (laughs) and they're going to win because they're, you know what I'm saying? Because they're good, Mm -hmm. because they're entertaining better than the other person. It's not all about, you know what I'm saying? Yo, how many guns I have and how many ways I could shoot you. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? And talking about, you, you know, your mom and, sucking out and all this so with the artists clashing in in jamaica yeah i think there's an opportunity you see swiss beats making money now with versus which comes from our culture yo they created something and you know who the winners are the real winners are the fans the fans are the real winners you know what i'm saying what about the dance hall fans <laughs> it's like yo why we got to put up with either nothing or some type of second-rate entertainment, you know, put some artists... Yo, you could put artists together and do something that's, like, healthy competition with rules, you know, a la Dancing with the Stars or X Factor or Versus or, you know, somehow the the Sound Clash tournaments are done where there's rules and judges and, you know, they're able to garner corporate sponsorship and, and all that. I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. But yeah, I mean, at, at first, you know, it's it, it's the type of topic that you kind of have to think about for a while because, you know, we grew up, you know, promoting this culture, listening to this culture, being engulfed in this culture. So it's kind of like a knee-jerk reaction to just be like, yo, you know what I'm saying? It not hurt nobody. But at the same time, it actually probably did <laughs> Heard a few people who knows yeah. you know like i'm not old enough and look you you can go to some of the elders in the business and discuss what happened back in the 80s and the 70s but you know all i know and i'm not a big historian when it comes to the 80s and the 70s maybe you are more than me but you know all i know is a lot of artists got killed that's what i know no, artists got killed that's true and a lot of men that whose names we don't know, you know what I'm saying, get a certain kind of cut or chop, <laughs> you know what I'm yeah. saying, or worse. Yeah, man. And and you know, for a long time the 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 music, the industry has promoted this this bad man thing, you know. Um so I don't know. I mean I've I've personally outgrown it, you know. If the, has the culture outgrown it? Probably. 
I mean, it's not it's not really beneficial at this point, you know. But I would say I, I would like to see what you said done. Like, you know, have rules, have caveats, have have certain things that elevate it. I mean, look, there were they do they do the sound clash now at what at Reggae Sunfest. They've done it what three years in a row. This past year, look how beautiful that was, man. To see dynamic the African and and Jack Scorpio clashing, you know what I'm saying? Like the ultimate exhibition, you know, showcase for the culture, done like with the word you said, you know, with the most class, something that anybody could view it, and whether you know about clash or not, wherever in the world you're from, you get what's going on. And you'd be entertained. You know what I'm saying? So you're putting on these big stage shows. You know, why couldn't a segment like that be staged between two artists? And now with shutdown, like, okay, why couldn't something like that be staged for an internet audience? Just saying. Yeah. I, I would uh, definitely ask those, those who are into Clash, Sound Clash, you know, check out that finale of the the forty five shop lock on uh, Heckler's SoundCloud page. You know, because I didn't even realize it until after the fact. First of all, I like the vibes all throughout. You know, the MCs were great. I mean, they had a rapport with each other. It was just kind of like, yo, you're from this place, I'm from that place, and you know, somebody called themselves the Eagle, somebody else is the Jankra, it's the Eagle versus the Jankra, 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 and you know what I'm saying? The bullfrog. <laughs> yeah, that that type mm-hmm. of thing, you know, some some real cause you know them country sounds have talent, they have vibes. You know, it's not like, you know, New York nowadays where everybody is following everybody else. So I would ask everybody to check that out because, you know, it was entertaining. Yeah, man. So that's the major laser documentary. That's Sean Paul on the fix and that's 45 shop lock yeah for some edutainment some vibes you know what i'm saying check out the links in the show notes for all that dope content right there don't forget to check out our playlists on pandora the revolution playlist and the tastemaker playlist the revolution playlist oh man yo the numbers on that one are sick <laughs> Again and again, reggae royalty, you know, Bob and Peter and, you know what I'm saying, Abyssinians and all these people, you know, that music transcends and, yeah. Yeah, man. Definitely check that out if you haven't as yet. Yeah, man, so big up to DJ Cash. Give thanks once again. Until next time. Yeah, man. Thank you for listening. Peace. Ta-tai. Bless. Reggae Lover Podcast was produced by Andres Agard and Aubrey Khalil Agard. Visit ReggaeLover.com for full show notes, archives, and more information. If you're interested in a sponsorship or donation, please email info at ReggaeLover.com. Follow us on Instagram at ReggaeLoverPodcast. Like our Facebook page at Facebook.com forward slash ReggaeLoverPodcast. Podcast. 
So let's take a break to talk about one of our great sponsors. I'll tell you what, I was listening to an audiobook about Bob Marley on Audible entitled So Much Things to Say. Mm-hmm. It's an oral history written and performed by Roger Stephens. He spent time down in Jamaica interviewing everybody, including Marley and everybody that was around him. So I'm talking Rita Marley, Skill Cole film crews that were down filming him, you know, all the members of the Whalers. He's having these conversations in these interviews that he also collected while he was doing the radio shows. He put all this information into a book. What's so great about it is it, it just immerses you into the experience, quoting Peter Bunny, the incidents that happened with Bob getting shot, the concert when he brings the two political leaders on stage. And so you really get the excitement, the energy of what is going on. That book right there, I strongly recommend it to any reggae lover, anybody that's into Bob Marley, and we have a special deal. Go to Audible and get a free book, free trial of Audible. Visit audibletrial.com slash reggae lover, and there you can grab a free copy of this book. And the reason why I like Audible is because I like to learn new things, but sometimes I don't have time to read a book. I don't have time to sit there and leaf through the pages because I got work to do. So I like to listen to books in the car. If I'm riding a bike, just taking a walk in the neighborhood. There's so many different ways that you can actually learn new information or be entertained. You know, me personally, I like nonfiction. I like biographical stuff. So Audible is a great tool to use in order to take in that information and still go along with your day. Audible, they have the best narrators. You know, you're able to keep where you're at in the book. It's a very convenient way to take in new information and be entertained. Visit audibletrial.com slash reggae lover. So much things to say. The title by Roger Steffens, Oral History of Bob Marley. 